Alright, so hey, uh, this is called You've Lost That Love and Feeling. We thought, what better thing to do than to get us in the mood and to help the intro than watching a little clip. So we're probably, we might date ourselves with this one, but enjoy. Okay, I guess it's my turn, isn't it? Alright, the bet is $20. $20. Right. You have to have carnal knowledge of a lady this time. <laughs> On the premises. On the premises. Come on, man. Bet's a bet. I don't know. It just, uh, just doesn't seem fair. For you, I mean. But, uh, she's lost that loving feeling. She's like, no, she hasn't. Yes, she, she has. She's not lost that look because she's lost it, Matt. Come on. I hate it when she does that. Excuse me, miss. Hey, hey, hey. Don't worry, I'll take care of this. You never close your eyes anymore when I kiss your lips. There's no tenderness like before in your fingertips. You're trying hard not to show it, but I love how bad Tom Cruise's voice in that is, makes me feel better about myself. They do not win yeah. any uh, singing ability prizes. But, um, so, yeah, we do date ourselves, but that is probably one of my top five favorite movies of all time. Um, so we talked long and hard about what areas we were going to cover, and, um, you know, hopefully, I think it was funny when Desi was like, thank you for showing up for the sex talk. This is not going to be 90 minutes of how to improve your sex life, so that will probably be a relief to most of you. Um, but we are going to try and cover a lot of a lot of areas and just kind of give you guys some practicals as well, um, so that you have something to walk away with. Yeah. So, like I said, I want, we're not just going to talk up here. Raise your hand. Shout out. Why is it Why is it so challenging where you are right now in life to keep your marriage a priority? What are some reasons? Energy. Yeah, what do you mean? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, just emotionally, physically exhausted. Great, what else? Busyness. Busyness, yeah. It's in that mommy mode. It's hard to transition to the wife mode. What's mommy mode? <laughs> Yeah, that's great. But you're not alone again. Yeah. What else? Yeah. What do you mean by that? Yeah. She said defrosting that side of the brain. She's not a light switch. You can't just flip it and expect everything to go back to the way it was. Good. What else? Yeah. 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 Yep. When that when we do this, this is what comes out, and so yeah, I'm not into that right now. Yeah. Much to my chagrin. Yeah. What else? I think you're just so busy meeting immediate needs all the time. 
Yes. Because they're stealing all of our good stuff. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Yeah. One, one more. Like the, the marriage part, the intimacy part of the marriage, I think, you know, just change in self-image. And, mm. you know, you don't lose the baby weight or whatever. And mm-hmm. I remember going through Nordstrom and my husband said, oh, aren't those shoes that you love, the Louboutin, you know, are you still wanting to have those? And I was like, that's not my life anymore. Mm. I mean, yeah. I'm a tennis shoe person. Yeah. It's good. So that's, that's great. So just, she said, um, kind of body image, just different interests in the way that you look, that you dress. It's just not the same anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Um, great. But we, we, you know, we agree with everything that y'all said. We came up with four. Categories, uh, and so you should have four bullet points in your handout if you want to write these down. Number one is is uh, is that we are sinners and we are selfish. And so James four one is what causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not the selfish desires that wage within your soul? And so uh, you know I'm not calling mom selfish, so uh, maybe you you are you are we all are right? And so there are times when we are just going to choose. Uh, and this is not in that immediate when the baby needs 100% of your attention, but there are times when you are just going to choose yourself over your spouse, over your kids, uh, and that leads to fights and quarrels in relationship, and it makes it really difficult to pursue your spouse or to make them a priority. And that absolutely applies to dads as well, that I will choose what I want much more than pursuing my kids, much more than pursuing Kristen, much to my chagrin, but that is my default mode. Even as a redeemed follower of Jesus Christ, I am still incredibly selfish. When we, had, when we had our twins, this just sticks out so much in my life. I remember just bawling hysterically to a friend of mine. And they said, my life is over. You know, we, we, had, we had these twins, and I was crying. There's no more time. There's no more sex. There's no more fun. There's no more dates. There's no more money. Uh, and, and I was just absolutely confronted in that, as much as that was probably true in some ways at that time just confronted with selfishness. And you see what I said over and over again? My, 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 my. I have no time for this. I have no time for that. It was all about me. And so we are sinners and we're selfish. Second is, is new demands, new challenges. Uh, some of you mentioned this. So it's just a, it is a new phase of life. And you are shutting off one part of the brain to work on the, to do other things. And you are focused on somebody else. And so this kind of plays out in a few ways of, uh, you know, husbands, dads are not pursuing their wives. Because frankly, it is a lot easier for me to be up here at work dealing with couples, and I get I get credit, I get praise up here. You know, I'm the I'm I'm big stuff. No, I'm really I mean, you know, people like that's so not true, not true. But it's like, but you know, I'm kind of running things over here on the pre-married world and the newly married world. But I go home and I'm just you know I'm just another pair of hands, and so selfishly. I just want to stay home, or stay away from home. One of my friends, and I will not out him, uh, made this statement to his wife one time, and, and you know, any dad would, would say this, or they're honest. He said, the worst part of my day is when I walk through these doors. And he said that out loud to his wife, which was, which was like one of those, you know, there's a filter that you need to have, and you don't let those words come out of your mouth. And that is absolutely not true. He is one of the best dads in the world. But there are times when it is just chaotic. And so for dads, because we're selfish and because of the new challenges and new demands, we just choose to separate. Or uh, if I'm not getting kind of love from my wife or I'm not being esteemed or valued, 
It's just a lot easier to, to hide out and to not have to deal with any of it. So again, it's selfishness that comes out, but a new stage of life. And to that same end, somebody just kind of talked about mommy mode. And, you know, you, a new baby, and you immediately are kind of thrown into a very overwhelming, um, you know, this child needs 100% of my attention, is dependent on me, us. Um, I know for me, like, just a lot of insecurities. Like, I, I'm not equipped to do this. I have no idea what I just stepped into. So I got two to start off with. And um, you know, it's, just, it's just a whole new area, and um, it's really hard to figure out where the balance is. And somebody also says this, like, you kind of feel like he's a big boy. He can, you know, he can take care of himself for a little while, and I shouldn't have to, you know, continue to um, pursue him. But really... He needs you. He didn't, you know, marriage was not just to birth children. Um, you know, he married you and still has certain expectations and desires of you. Um, another thing is just, <laughs> you know, th- to be in the mood. And, again, um, your body has changed. If you're nursing, you know, like, really? Those are not yours right now. And spewing milk and all that kind of, like, it just totally changes everything. Um, so it's, it is just hard to kind of switch gears. Um, it's just cruel because they look best when you're nursing. Yeah. <laughs> is this being recorded? It is. Yes, it is. Yes, Words coming out of my mouth. Filter. And remember, yeah, filter. <laughs> the reason I like you all the time is because I still think you're hot. That's a Desi you just supported me. Yeah. Okay. Next is priorities are out of whack. And so as we said up front, God first, marriage second, kids third. Uh, there are seasons that are unique when they are physically dependent upon you for everything, but that season does not last forever for most every child out there. There are times when the kids are dependent upon you, uh, but there's always going to be a season. You saw the slide. When your kids get older, from what we hear, it's, it's not just the physical demands, it's the emotional uh, of teenagers and dating and, you know, and driving and then bad decisions down the road when they get into relationships or start having boyfriends or girlfriends. I don't even want to think about that stuff. And so this is, your marriage is going to be with you forever. And so there are always going to be seasons. And so just don't, I would just say don't use the excuse of being, of young kids. You can milk that for a little while, no pun intended, but you cannot use that line forever because there is always going to be a season in your relationship. And your kids need you to have a strong marriage. They need to look up and see what a, what a godly marriage looks like. And if the priorities are out of whack, your kids are able to sense it if your marriage is out of whack. All right. And then our last area um, was just focusing on the urgent and not the important. So it's very easy, with, especially with little kids, but even, I'm sure, as we move past um, the, the toddler and young kids phase, um, just to feel like I have to put out this fire, I have to take care of this thing, I need to, you know, it's got to be the doctor, it's got to be the um, soccer practice or whatever, and to just slowly kind of drift apart. Um, I don't think any of us think, when I have little kids, you know, you take a back seat. I think it just kind of sometimes just happens, and we drift apart, and we just kind of exchange information and keep moving forward um, and, and deal with the things that have to be taken care of. You just have to be very intentional about it. So that's what I hope, that's what I hope we can help with today. So wh- why should we keep our marriage a priority? Why is this a big deal? So probably good for us to talk about the Bible a little bit and see what the Bible says about marriage. But why is it so important that our marriages are a priority? Probably one of the 
key verses um, is Ephesians 5.33. However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Um, and so, must. In this case, this is an imperative. It is not an option. It doesn't say must love him when you first get married, but when you have kids, it's all right to let that go. Um, and so, you know, this is just, God says this is how it is, and it has to be this way in order for this relationship to work. Next, this is one I often use at weddings. It's Matthew 5, 14 through 16. It says, You are the light of the world. The city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And so the picture in that verse is that when your kids, when other people, when believers, when non-believers, when they look at your marriage... They better see Christ. You know, we are, we are a city on a hill. We're a light to the world. And a marriage is one of the best tools that God has given to us to put him on display. And so when we enjoy one another physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, the whole deal, when, when couples do well, it makes God look good. When we, we, all, you know, we all know there's couples that struggle, and people look at them and they say, well, they're Christians. You know, the typical Christians, the way they treat one another, the way they act. And so our marriages are a picture of what the world thinks about who our God is. Next is, is uh, marriage is just a great picture of Christ in the church, Ephesians 5. It's a picture of a covenant relationship. And so a covenant is, is different than a contract. When you are married, it's a covenant relationship, which means you're in it for a lifetime. It's unbreakable. It's built on trust. It's different than a contract that you sign with somebody that's built on distrust. Marriage is a covenant. It's a picture of the Trinity, the best picture of the Trinity that we have, and the best relationship of Christ's relationship with the church. Next is, is just, and I think Blake did an awesome job with this passage a couple weeks ago. If you weren't in, at Watermark on Sunday, January 3rd. Yeah, it was a journey this morning, too. I haven't done it yet. So a couple days behind. Uh, but Matthew seven twenty four through 27. And this is the verse we use for foundation groups. The foundation groups are, a lot of you have been in them. There are small groups for newly married couples. But, but essentially, you are building a foundation in your marriage. And so what are you building your foundation on? And so this is at the end, towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And this is what Jesus says. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And so you've got the wise man, the wise couple that builds a relationship on a solid foundation. Then you've got the, the foolish guy, who everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against us ha- house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And so two people, maybe married the, or two couples married the same time, one building your house on a solid foundation, one on a sandy foundation. The same storms will come through. And the question is, is the house going to stand or is it going to fall? And so the way to have a solid relationship and to build on a rock is to make your marriage a priority. And so recently we've had, uh, we live in a house that's about 50 years old. Great house, but it's 50 years old. In Texas. Yeah, and so we're not Texans. We never knew all this stuff, but evidently you have to water foundations and take care of them and all these issues that we're just consistently learning about. But we have to maintain that foundation. And so we have to, we, you know, we just got, we got our kitchen redone a couple of years ago. 
and we should have taken pictures, but there are cracks all over the place, you know, in the, in the seams of the wall, above the cabinets. Uh, doors don't close right. Uh, cabinets don't close right. All because our, there's a, actually we have the, these drawers that are built in, and there were the you know, ones that you slide out and you pull the food out. Well, one of them, whenever you open the cabinet doors, it slopes out every time. And so, like, you have to open the cabinet and put your knee there and stop it, and then you can get what you want from the other drawer. That's all because of the foundation shifting. Uh, we've, had, we've had leaks under our foundation. We had a massive possum problem, but that's a story for another day, um, which led to a flea problem. Yeah, which we, don't even, we don't even have pets. Um, not frustrating one bit. So anyway, that was all related to our foundation. And so the, the reality is, is that you've got to take care of that foundation. You've got to water it. You've got to nurture it. You've got to take care of it. You've got to make sure the holes are sealed so no possums can get under your house and into the, found, you know, in the, the pier and beam foundation area. The foundation needs work. Our marriages, even if they're built on a solid foundation, need work. They need to be nurtured. They need to be cared for. They need to be you know, watered and checked and make sure there are no problems with it. And so it's a really good picture of what marriage looks like and how, again, Christ is put on display through our marriage or Christ is made to look bad through our marriages. Another area, God blesses marriage. He created it. He thinks it is good. Um, he desires it for most of us. And if you're in it, then, he, then you're in it. Um, but he also wants us to be fruitful and multiply. Genesis 1.28, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. Um, so if he wants both things for us, then we ought to be able to do both things well. Um, it's not an either or. You don't have a great marriage and a bunch of rotten children or fantastic kids and a marriage that's barely holding together. Um, so it is just something that God wants both things for us. Good. And this picture of marriage, man, this is God, in, God created this institution of marriage. This is not man-made. God knew what was going to happen when Adam and Eve came together. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast, or be united to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. God's invention, God's design. Psalm 127.3, children are a heritage, a blessing, a gift from the Lord. Uh, so God blesses marriage. He blesses children. Evidently, they're supposed to work together somehow. And so the, his design, and that's the way that he made it. It is tough. But he desires and blesses marriage and kids so that they should be able to work together well. Right? So all those are biblical reasons why marriage should be a priority. We're going to watch a couple clips from uh, John and Kate Plus Eight, which um, we never have watched that show. The only one we watched, we totally gave in to the hype. And so we watched the one where they were going to make their announcement. And, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know John and Kate. I'm not throwing them under the bus at all. I cannot imagine the challenge of having... Sex tuplets, is that how you say it? Six kids at one time, plus two older kids. And so uh, I'm not judging them. I just want you to hear uh, maybe some of the things that went wrong that led to where they are right now. All right, we're going to watch two separate clips on, on, from John and Kate. Maybe. There we go. It's life. It's a roller coaster. It's the way it happens. Sometimes you just go off the tracks. We haven't really known where we were going, but we've been dealing with this for um, a long time. Good job. Right here. Now! Your little house, you'll be right here. And look, you can ride bikes right there. My stomach is turning because I know this is going to cause a huge fight, but I want the kids to be able to play. Um, and to have an adult walk down there with them is not always feasible. 
um, you know, someone can be here riding bikes and someone can be here playing in houses and one adult can man the whole situation. I knew that I needed to just mind my T's and Q's and not bring up issues. Any flack that he receives turns into a huge blow up anymore, unfortunately. And I just didn't want to rock the boat, but yet I wanted to do the right thing for my kids. So I was uh, caught again. So the deal on that one, they were going to have these kids' houses delivered, and so they were fighting over, uh, do we put them on this part of the property so that we can see them and where they're playing the whole time? That's where she wanted them, and it was kind of close to the house. He had created a space a little bit further away that was maybe a much better spot for the houses, but she couldn't see them. It wouldn't be safe, and so they, they're in the middle of, a, of an argument over where to put these little kids' houses. But even when you're in close proximity, you know, it's just... Again, it's, this is your life right now. It doesn't matter where John and I are in our relationship. My kids still matter the most to me. If I have to put on a happy face to have a picnic with them and put all those issues aside, I do. Do I always feel jovial and happy and wonderful? No. Um, am I thrilled with how things have turned out? No. Did I ever think I would be in this situation, in this position? Absolutely not. Ever. But I still can have a picnic with my kids and smile. How can't you smile when you see those little faces smiling up at you? How can't you be happy? Yeah, Kate and I have um, not been communicating very well. You know, and uh, some things are going on. And, I mean, but we're there for our kids. I mean, for crooked houses, for building the houses and doing, uh, you know, everything for our kids and being joyful for them, um, which is the most important thing. I love my kids. I have become very hardened, very crass, very jaded, maybe. And I'm sure that that is what people see about me. But that is my survival self digging in and saying, I will not lay down and die. I will go on for my kids and I'll say it till my dying day. They matter so much to me. And if I've got to pull this whole ship on my own, I'm going to do it. I will survive, and they will survive. It's kind of sobering. It makes me want to cry. It really does. Um, I didn't expect that. <laughs> Highly emotional husband. Um, I am, I'm really, really sad for them. I don't, I don't not know what that's like. And I cannot, cannot imagine the stress. But if you hear those words, I think we all resonate with those at times, that um, the kids are the most important thing. Husband can stand on his own, he's fine. Wife can stand on, on her own, she doesn't need me. The kids are the priority. And that, that's part of why they are where they are. It's just a loss of focus on their relationship. Uh, Holly booked us to do this like a, almost a year ago. And that clip, I don't remember what it, when it was, but when we saw that, Immediately, I said, we've got to use that clip for, for, this, for this deal at Building Blocks because it is such a great picture of what happens when the priority is in the wrong place. And so, you know, again, I, don't, I cannot imagine that challenge, but priorities are out of whack. Uh, you know, they, and they did not take care of that foundation. They didn't take care of their relationship. And granted, there are tremendous needs on their, on their, from their kids, but priorities out of whack, and I don't even know where they are right now. Separated, divorced, I'm not sure. But I'm just sad for them. Yeah. Didn't you say also they don't have God? You know, I, I'm... There, there's no Christian leadership there. There's, there's no 
entire, I mean, they're not looking anywhere but what do I want for me and what do I want for my kids? It's not even a marriage. There's, there's no topic. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I, you know, I don't know where they are spiritually. Uh, I've heard that they're believers, you know, they, or they would certainly sell their, their book was on sale at the Christian bookstore, which doesn't mean, doesn't mean a lot necessarily. Um, but they would probably profess to be believers. But part of it, you know, I look, at, I look at John, and every time I've seen him or every clip I've seen, everything I've heard, uh, he seems pretty passive to me, and it doesn't seem like he has his priorities straight. And so as the leader of the relationship, I would absolutely put that on him first and foremost. I, I don't know where God fits into that thing. I know that if their priorities were right, that that probably would have made a difference. Yeah, good point. All right, so, so how, how do you do this thing right? How do you put together marriage and kids? And so, again, we've got a couple of bullet points. This is, um, yeah, I, I don't know where, where everyone is uh, spiritually, and so I just want to make sure that we're all kind of on the same page of what, what I'm going to share here. But uh, your own walk with Jesus is the key to your marriage. If you don't hear anything we say, just focus on that. Your walk with Jesus has to be the key to the way that you love your spouse, to the way that you love your kids, your relationship with Christ has got to be the foundation. All right? And so this is, there's a little quote right under that section. Uh, it's from a book called When Sinners Say I Do. And he does a tremendous job just articulating uh, why the gospel is so important to marriage. And when I say the gospel, I am not just talking about uh, salvation, forgiveness of sins. I'm talking about the fact that we need the gospel every single day. The gospel is not just something we hear when we place our trust in Christ. The gospel is something we live out on a daily, uh, on a minute-by-minute basis. And if you're not, then your marriage could very well be in trouble now, or it definitely will be at some time. And so he says really, really well articulated, the foundation of your marriage needs to be the Bible. The Bible is God's word and the primary means of his communication to us. Second, he says that the fountain of your marriage is the gospel. I'll come back to this in a minute. And then last, the focus of your marriage is the glory of God. And so I would always remember that, you know, that, that everything that you do in your marriage should bring glory to God. The way you parent, the way you live, the way you love your spouse should bring God glory. Marriage is not primarily about you. It's not primarily about your spouse. It, it is about God. And, you know, Gary Thomas wrote a tremendous book that, that a lot of you probably read. It's called Sacred Marriage. And you know, what's the, what's the tagline for Sacred Marriage? Yeah, somebody raise your hand. You're all saying, but I... Yeah, marriage is not intended primarily to make you happy, but to make you holy. And I would say the same thing. He's actually written the book Sacred Parenting. You know, that parenting is not intended to make you happy. It's intended to make you holy. Uh, and I would write, if I was going to write a, a, the third part of the trilogy, it would be sacred singleness. That singleness is not intended to make you happy, it's intended to make you holy. And so God intends for marriage to be one of the biggest sanctification tools in our life. And, and what I mean by that is that marriage is intended to make us like Christ. That we see our sinfulness, we see our selfishness, we see the way that we want to quit when we should persevere. We see our inadequacies in the way we communicate. And so we are constantly in need of the gospel. And, and so just real simply, what, what I mean by that when I say the gospel is just an understanding that, uh, that we are sinners, that we're separated from God, uh, that our sin has separated us from, from a perfect God. And that's every single one of us. Uh, God intended us to be in relationship with him, and he created us 
and this perfect relationship, if you look at Genesis 1 and 2, but our sin and our selfishness separated us from him. So Isaiah 53, 6, as we're all like sheep, we've all gone astray. Romans uh, 3, 10 and 11. Uh, Romans uh, 3, 23, all talks about our separation from God. And through Christ's death on the cross, through his resurrection, through our believing and accepting of the truth of the gospel and the truth that Christ died, that is how we get into relationship with him. And so there, and I know all of you have heard that a million times, but what, what you need to get out of that and just remember is that we are forgiven people. Uh, in Colossians 3.13, Paul says, As the Lord forgave you, forgive one another. And so any time that I wrong Kristen, uh, even, if, even if she is mad at me, and, uh, and that happens you know, not all the time, but there are times when I really make Kristen upset, uh, and I ask for forgiveness and I apologize, even though she may want to hold that over me, she doesn't have that right. She doesn't have the right to not forgive me. And I have to forgive her. We have to forgive one another. Uh, when I think about the amount of stuff that I have been forgiven of in my life, uh, just the sick, the rotten, gross sin in my life, uh, how could I, that I've been forgiven of, how could I possibly not forgive my spouse? How could I possibly not forgive one of you if you offend me? Uh, Paul in, in 1 Timothy 1.15 I think it's 115, makes the statement that I am the chief sinner. Uh, and so this is Paul. Paul wrote, you know, a good chunk of the, of the New Testament. Uh, and uh, I want to make sure I get that reference right. I think it's 115, sorry. It's not in my notes. That was off the top of my head, so that's why I don't know for sure. Yeah, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. And so Paul wrote a good chunk of the New Testament he is, uh, nobody has done more for the church other than Jesus than Paul. Uh, but if Paul says, I am the chief sinner, then what, what does that make me? Or what does that make us? And so if Paul can make that statement, then we certainly can as well, that uh, as the foremost sinner. And the reason he says that is because he knows the, his own nature. He knows the nature of his own sin. And so if God can forgive me, if God can forgive this, then how could I possibly not forgive my spouse? How could I possibly hold it over her or hold it over him when I've been forgiven of everything? And so the gospel has to be first and foremost in your marriage, not just for salvation and for eternal relationship with him in heaven. That's great. But it is the ongoing gospel that is needed in your lives to forgive, to give grace, to pursue one another and through understanding of one another. All right. Any questions on that? Everyone got quiet and silent all of a sudden. How come? Sobering clip. <laughs> it might be. I don't know. <laughs> 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 all right. So the second um, foremost is to get rid of the foxes. And Song of Solomon says, Then you must protect me from the foxes, foxes on the prowl, foxes who would like nothing better to get into our flowering garden. So um, you know, foxes are anything that distracts us from being intimate with the Lord and being intimate with our spouse. Um, so we're going to talk through, probably fairly quickly, but just a bunch of areas that are foxes um, and could be foxes if you don't um, keep an eye on them and get them out of your your house. What, what time do we have, Till? Twelve. All right. Wow. Okay. We're not. We won't do that unless we do. Unless you. Great. All right. Cool. So some of this we're going to talk through. What are some of those foxes? What are the areas we need to focus on? And then after that, we're going to talk real practically with some suggestions 
And so there will be some overlap between uh, what we cover now and what we cover last. But first is communication and conflict. And so uh, this is something we are extremely passionate about. Uh, and if you look at any couple that struggles, any couple that gets divorced, a lack of the, ability, you know, the inability to communicate in conflict is always at the top of the list of why couples struggle and why they get divorced. It is difficult. It is you know, vanilla and chocolate, male and female, two people coming together trying to communicate, and communication is extremely difficult. It's, it's difficult for any two people, and then you throw a bunch of kids in there, or throw one kid in there, throw a lack of sleep in there, uh, and it becomes even more difficult to communicate with one another. And so we are extremely passionate about this topic. Uh, some of you may, I don't know if you, you all know the, the weenie stuff. I'll just cover it really quickly. It's, it's just an acronym, W-E-N-I. The W stands for withdrawal and avoidance, which means either one of you avoids the other, you don't deal with hard conversations, uh, you kind of make it sound better than it really is, and so you withdraw from, from having hard conversations. Second is that you escalate, and so what starts off either at this volume quickly becomes way up here because the volume keeps getting higher and higher as you yell, or you, may keep, you can keep your voice at a very sane level and say, I hate you with everything in me. Oh, yeah? Well, you're fat and you're ugly. Oh, yeah? And you can, it doesn't have to escalate in volume, but the intensity certainly continues to increase. There, there's a clip that, um, that we've referenced before. It's, a dude gets home with He's got this fat mullet. It's awesome. But he gets home, and there are crumbs on the kitchen counter. And, and I always remember, the guy's name is Lauren, and he's got, he's got this mullet, and he sits down across from his wife, and, and they start talking about the crumbs on the table. And she says, I think you purposely leave those crumbs out to piss me off. And then she comes back and says, within five minutes, this is in real time, this is not two actors. Within five minutes, they go from crumbs on the table to who's going to get the kids in the divorce. And so it literally escalated like crazy. There's, um, you want to tell the, the back story? We have our own story of, yeah. of escalation. This is right after we had the twins, probably right around the same time that Scott had that conversation with a friend about my life is over and, um, you know, what happened to everything that we had. Um, but we had been kind of arguing about something having to do with the boys. And um, so we had this very large open floor plan in the house we were in at the time. And so we were arguing. Scott kind of went over and kind of slammed his hands down on the counter. And I said something to him. And then he turned around and had said something else and my response was to go running across the room and to jump on his back (laughs) so um that was just a really good example for us of what escalation could look like i have never done that before and i haven't done it since and i don't really know what was going through my head because as you can see i I was not going to tackle him and um but you know just one of the emotional moments where we had both kind of hit our our high, so to speak, of um, the worst argument. And uh, so that was my tactic at the time. Yeah, and the, the way I broke it is I laughed at her yeah. for trying that. That was the end of the yeah. whole argument. She yeah. was laughing at me, which didn't go over well at the time. No. So now we say it's like it was like a fly trying to knock over a gorilla, <laughs> is what it was when Kristen came running at me. Um, that's when I was in seminary in some of my finer days. Um, that, that's my default is to, is to escalate. Next is, is negative interpretation. That's the N. And so that's when you make a statement and you intend it to be kind or gentle and it's interpreted in a negative way. And so it's taken uh, very opposite of what the speaker's intention was. 
And so the classic one on that would be like, um, uh, like if you, somebody's looking at their watch. If we're, if we're running to church on Sunday morning, we're trying to eat the kids, and, and Kristen's doing her hair, and I look over, and I, I just happen to look at my watch, and I'm just curious what time it is. And she says, oh, you think I'm going to be late again, don't you? And it's, no, I'm literally just looking at my watch to see what time it is. Or when Kristen calls me at work at 4.30 and says, what time are you going to be home? And she's asking, what time are you going to be home so that I know when, you know when to have things ready for dinner? And what I hear is, are you going to be late again? Is it going to be a waste of my time to put dinner out? And she is wondering what time I'm going to be home. So it's just a negative interpretation of, a, of something that's not intended to harm one another. Lastly, the I is invalidation, which is just a subtle put down of one another. And so if, uh, like if, if Christian were to say, gosh, I feel, so, uh, I feel like my, my hair is a mess. Or I feel like it just, I just feel like I look terrible. Say, oh, you look fine. You know, and then you don't deal with it. You don't address it. You just kind of brush it off and not deal with it. Uh, so you're just invalidating a statement somebody makes. And so these are all, when you, do, when you practice these patterns, and we all have them, we're good at all four of them. Some of us get A's in, in some of them. And maybe we do okay in some of the other areas. But these are, these are topics or these are patterns that we each have that prevent us from communicating with one another. Uh, active listening, speaker listener, just really listening to what the other person says. When Kristen speaks to me, it would be wrong for me to think of what my argument or my defense is going to be. Instead, I need to be tuned into what she says. And so just real simply, listening actively, echoing back, and not in a mocking way, but making sure that you have heard what they're trying to communicate. Uh, a few verses, James 1.19 is a great one. It says everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry. Our default is the opposite of that. We want to be quick to become angry. We want to win, and so we speak, and we certainly don't want to listen to our spouse. And so putting James 1.19 into practice. Uh, Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. This worked really well a couple days ago with Carson. Uh, Carson said our spirited three-year-olds. So he was pitching a fit at the dinner table, and typically my default would be to, to make a, a calm statement to him once, and then when he does it, not if he does it again, when he does it again, I would come back and yell, and then the third time I would be really ticked off, and I would just grab him from his seat and bring him up to, up to his crib. And this was, my, this was my pattern for a long time with Carson, is be calm and gentle and be under control of the spirit. Round one. Round two, spirit is losing, flesh is winning, I start getting a harsh tone. Round three, the gloves are on. We're into it. It's over. And I'm going to win because I'm bigger. And so I would wonder why Carson didn't like me. Then why did Carson love Kristen so much? Why did Carson always go to Kristen? Why did he avoid me? And so recently, even though Kristen has been telling me for months and months and months, you know, my harsh word stirs up anger. Instead, two nights ago, typical deal, Carson starts throwing his food on the ground or pushes his chair away from the table. Round one, very soft tone. Uh, does it again. Round two was a much more, was it maybe a little, a little more firm, but, but, I was, but I was consistent and I was gentle. Same thing with round three. Firm, consistent, and gentle. Picked him up casually, told him I loved him, and put him in his crib. And if that's the pattern I live, there's a much better chance that Carson's going to have a great relationship with me than if I yell at him all the time. And so uh, a harsh answer, harsh answer versus a gentle answer. Uh, Proverbs 18.2 and then Proverbs 
Uh, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. And then uh, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. And so again, are you seeking to understand your spouse, or are you just trying to win the argument? And so putting these communication patterns and putting these putting biblical wisdom into the way you communicate with your spouse will show that your marriage is a priority. Read, read Ephesians 4, 25 through 32. That is a great passage on how to speak with one another. It's, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Uh, if something's going to come out of your mouth that's not edifying or building up, then just keep your mouth closed and don't say it. Just a really great section on how we are to communicate with one another. And the importance, uh, you've got to nip this communication thing in the bud. If you can't communicate, your marriage is headed in the wrong direction. And the next area is the schedule, which I know uh, since all of you are moms of little kids, your schedule probably just makes you kind of go crazy, um, just trying to get everything else on a schedule. But, you know, it's, there's not enough time in the day to do everything, and we all know that. I mean, like daily, I think, oh, three more hours, because I just have three more hours, and I could get done all kinds of stuff. Um, so it's really helpful, I think, to you know make sure you divide your responsibilities, the household responsibilities, so that you aren't um, feeling like you're doing everything and um, bitterness and resentment can build up in that area. Um, make sure that there is a certain amount of time that you and your spouse have together without um, kiddos being wrangled at the same time. And then also you need to make sure that you get time alone um, or girl time um, and I'm going to toot my husband's horn, but um, one, one afternoon this week he came to me and said, you can't argue with me. We're not discussing this. I priced a hotel on Friday night, and I'm kicking you out of the house, and I'll tell you when you can come back. I don't care what you do. You can go sleep. You can go shop. You can do whatever you want. But um, you know, we, we have talked about I need to go have time to journal and do things just um, so that I can have that time to myself. And so you know, that's just a great example of my husband loving me well. Um, the flip side is, is that, that you've got to also allow your husband to have guy time, um, time in the Word, and you know it's easy for them, easier for them to kind of work that into their you know leave early or um, go to lunch or whatever. But um, really, just be sure that you're respecting that and letting him know that you respect that time um, and that it's important that he's got that for himself as well. And that, that's on my default to to do something considerate like that, but. Kristen, the only thing harder in our lives than parenting has been ministry. And so poor Kristen, has, um, she's been through it the last couple of weeks because I've been through it. And so we have talked about it doesn't have to be the overnight, although that's a great thing. But even just, you know, does your husband give you two hours in the middle of the, of the afternoon on Saturday or a, or a weeknight to leave the house? I'll, I'll take care of dinner. I'll take care of the kids. I'll put the dishes away. I'll put the kids down, do baths. You just go out and you journal. Uh, you spend time with a friend. Go see a movie. Go to dinner. Hang out with community, community group girls. And so if the guys were here, I would yell at them and tell them to do that. And if they have a problem with that, you tell them to call me at Watermark Community Church, and I will tell them to do that. Because, and I have fallen short in that, but you all need that desperately. Uh, we are not in your shoes. We are not with the kids all day long. Uh, and so I cannot imagine how tough that is, how frustrating that is. And so your husbands uh, need to give you time alone to be with the Lord, to be with friends, just to not have to deal with diapers and crying for a couple hours. Um, amen? Amen. <laughs> 
Uh, under the scheduling area, another thing is, you know, keep your kids on a schedule. Um, and, you know, some of us are a little looser on schedules, and some of us, I think the more kids you have, the looser your schedule gets. Um, but, you know, having nap times, and those are great times for me for a while. If I could get everyone down at the same time, that was my quiet time. Um, I usually couldn't beat everybody out of bed in the morning, but I could at least get 15 or 20 minutes to myself during nap time. Um, and also, this is my pet peeve, like sometimes I'm out at Walmart at, you know, 10 o'clock on a weeknight, um, picking up groceries alone, um, and I see some mom and dad with four kids, under, you know, hanging all over each other, crying, throwing temper tantrums in the candy aisle, and, and I just think, oh, those poor kids and those poor parents that, um, you know, there's just, there's not a schedule and there's not time for them to be together. Um, so just, you know, for us, we did Healthy Sleep Habits. It's a great book that, you know, just gave great tips on, you know, here at your kid's age, this is what they ought to be getting. This is one way to work on it. So. It's actually kind of funny. Kristen is the most steady, calm person I've ever seen in my life. Nothing phases her. But when we go to, when, I, when we are out together shopping and there are kids out late at night, she like, it like, it's like a switch in her that just flips. And she starts getting all animated and frustrated. It's actually very, very funny to watch. Yeah. Kind of cute. Yeah. All right. A um, couple other things under schedule. Maximize your time together. And so we serve together in, in ministry. Not just, a, you know, marriage ministry we obviously do. We do premarital counseling. We lead a foundation group. We do things like this together. Uh, but we also serve kids together on Sundays. Uh, anything that we do, we try to do together just to maximize time. There's not enough time in the day to do everything you each want to do. And so this might be one real practical, easy way. Just do ministry together as a couple. Uh, another thing under this is choosing to cheat. And so again, this is for your husbands, but there's not enough time in the day to do everything you need to do. And so if, for the dads out there, if you are working a full day and there are demands at work, uh, you come home and there are demands at home. You need to, and this sounds strange to say, choose to cheat. But It's from a book by uh, Pastor Andy Stanley. Um, you've got to choose to cheat somewhere. And so if the options are to cheat at, at, at home, on my wife and kids, or to cheat on, on work, it's more important for my... I'm the only one that is Kristen's husband. I'm the only one that is Duncan, Drew, Lincoln, and Carson's daddy. Anyone could do my job. If I go away, they can replace me in a heartbeat. But at home, there is no other husband than Kristen. There's no other daddy to our boys. And so if I have to cheat anywhere, and I'm preaching to myself right now, I need to cheat at work so that I can take care of my wife and take care of my family. And vice versa. If you've got to choose where you're going to cheat, don't cheat your family, don't cheat your spouse. Um, next is just emotional and relational intimacy. That's, we're, going to, we're just going to fly through some of these. And so are you connecting with one another? Do you know one another's hearts? Do you know specifically how to pray for your husband? Does your husband know specifically how to pray for you? Are you praying with one another? Are you praying for one another? Are you exchanging information with one another, just kind of doing business? Or are you really engaging one another's hearts emotionally and relationally? You know, husbands, uh, are you affectionate with your spouse? Are you hugging? Do you give a kiss to her? And if she comes over and gives you a hug, do you think that automatically leads to the bedroom? No. We think it does, but it does not. And so husbands need to be affectionate, give hugs without expecting anything in return. Uh, whenever I can, I try to, when, when I leave in the, in the morning, 
Uh, and when I come home at night, I try to make Kristen the last person I kiss before I leave, and I try to make her the first person I kiss when I get home. That usually doesn't happen because I've got a couple of people tackling me when I walk in. Uh, but trying to make sure that uh, when I get up to her, I'll say, I'm sorry, I tried to get to you first, but I couldn't. <laughs> so she knows where the priority is. Uh, for dads, again, or if you work, for moms at work, leave work at work. This stupid, blessed iPod, iPhone, I hate it. You know, I just have not learned the ability to shut it off and to put it aside when I get home. And so continually learning to put that away, to put it upstairs for a couple hours to engage with my wife. Uh, if you want to love your kids, love your mom. And then again, for dads, if there are any dads listening, maybe this is just for their benefit if they listen to it online. Uh, it is your responsibility to create laughter and fun at home. You don't have to do it on your own, but, but dads need to step up in this area. Uh, to, and it's just a great way they can lead emotionally and relationally with, relationally with one another. Good. Good. All right. Finances is the next area, and we're not going to go deep into this, but obviously it's one of the top areas that um, just creates a lot of tension and anxiety in, um, in a relationship, in a marriage. Uh, you know, Matthew 6, 21 just talks about wherever your treasure is, your heart is. So just knowing where your money is going and where your priorities are. Um, this is a, kind of a staggering thought, but to raise a child from birth to 18 years, they estimate that it's about $250,000, and that doesn't include college, which probably costs about that much alone. So okay. Um, so you just, you know, I mean that, when you think about that, you think about where you're spending your money. Um, it may look like your, your heart, your treasure is in your children, but um, just to be sure you're on the same page. Are you stewarding your finances well, and is, do finances bring you together, or do they tear you apart? Another thing that, um, you know, we talk about this with foundation groups especially, because it's much easier if you start out, um, live below your lifestyle. Um, you know, live at the lowest level that you possibly can. And in Dallas, it is so hard because I think, um, you know, it's just a bigger house, a better car. Um, you know, where do we live? What part of town? Where do our kids go to school? What clothes do I wear? Where do we eat out? There's just so many things that it's, um, it's so easy to get pulled into, um, you know, wanting to kind of keep up with the Joneses. Um, but we have seen over and over again that the people that choose to kind of cap their lifestyle and keep it there instead of trying to keep bumping things up, um, just there's much more um, just synch synchronicity in marriage when you um, kind of set that as your goal. Both of you need to be involved in finances. It may not look the same. Like Scott runs our stuff, does the quick in, and, you know, kind of gets all excited about checking all the boxes and everything. And I just... I need to know, you know, what I'm, where we're spending money, and we talk about, you know, he's like, really, are we spending this much on groceries? I'm like, it's only going to get worse. We have four boys, you know, we go through four gallons of milk in a week, so, and I promise when they get to high school, we'll be spending more money. <laughs> um, but you know, we are, you know, on the same page, and I know the details, um, so that we can manage it together. Um, and obviously, we can't cover everything in finances here, but um, money-wise is done by Watermark, and there's a lot of um, I think a few resources on the resource page as well. The next is expectations. Expectations are beliefs about the way things will be or should be, uh, including roles, relationships, life, uh, so forth. We have expectations about everything. And so whether we know them or not or we're aware of them, whether or not we communicate them, we have expectations about every part of life. And when expectations are not met, we become sad, we become frustrated, we become angry. 
And so there are expectations that your husband has with you when it comes to sex. There are expectations about money. You have expectations about what you think they should do around the house and with the kids. And so one of the best things you can do in your marriage is to become aware of your expectations, to be able to articulate them and to express them to one another. And so a way to keep your marriage a priority over the kids is to take the major areas of life, find out what your expectations are, communicate them with one another. There's a great book. It's called Lasting Promise. Uh, worst cover on a, on a book in the history of the world, but amazing material. that spends a, a good chapter on expectations. And in the back of the book is a list of 25, 30, or not in the back, the back of the chapter, 25 or 30 different areas that, uh, that you need to just have the regular conversation about expectations. And so there are things like holidays, uh, sex, money, dating, opposite sex friends, uh, all of those things that we need to make sure that we're on the same page about. And so we meant, I meant to include that in your handout and just forgot. So if you want that, email me and we can get that to you. Yeah, Scott Stanley. It's actually in, the, in your resource list under communication. It's for, for folks, but Scott Stanley is the primary, primary author. You don't, don't judge a book by its cover. That's the classic illustration. And so if you see it on Amazon, even if the, the cover looks terrible, still buy it. No, I just like yeah. to order that book. And yeah. I saw yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it is so good. I, one of these days, I'm going to write them an email and tell them that we literally sell hundreds of their book every year. We probably give them more business than any other church in the country, but it is great stuff. All right. So the next area is just um, being on the same page with parenting. So talking about discipline, being in agreement, coming, you know, compromising. You may have come from a house where you know. The rules were the rules. You didn't break the rules. And your spouse may come from a very grace-based, everything's kind of loosey-goosey. We were all about love. And so just being able to find the middle ground on that. Um, you also need to talk about you know, how are we going to disciple them? How are we going to pour into them spiritually? Um, man, I know that like this is an area that you have to be intentional in. It's not just going to happen. It's kind of like, hmm, my quiet time to just don't happen. So why would I think that growing my kids in the word would just happen um along those lines i think some of you probably know this but the journey this year uh you know it's the same same format most of the devotional you get every day but we're going through the gospels and we're in the middle of matthew right now and so there's a short short chunk of scripture you study and there are three or four questions that are kind of individual reflection questions and then our children's ministry team has put together like one two or three questions every day that are intended for the family and so, you know, obviously the older your kids are, the better you can engage them with those. But that's a really easy way for the whole family to be on the same page spiritually on what you're studying. That's great. Um, also, just, again, schedule. So as your kids get into school and have activities, just you know, be sure that you agree on homework will be done at this time or who will be at which practices and um, just keeping everybody on the same page with that. I think one of the big things um, for... For us, kind of, this, a lot of times we get the, we go out on a date and we find that we've just talked about our kids the whole time. Um, and Scott's like, really? Like, this is a date. Can we, can we please move on to something a little deeper? Um, and so just having those intentional conversations um, at a side that you put a time uh, aside, at a time that you put aside, um, just for those conversations, so that you can, when you're out together, just talk about other things. And to be clear, I don't think talking about kids is shallow. 
So I don't say let's talk about something deeper. That sounds really bad. Just something other than kids. I thought we were doing well on time, and now we're running behind. So I'm going to fly through some of this. Community. We talk about community all the time around here. Not meant to live in isolation, but to live deeply connected with others. And so what are you doing in your community groups? What are you doing with other women in your life? Are you talking about your marriage? Are you talking about your struggles? Are you... Uh, in that, are you seeking to remove the log from your own eye before you just destroy your husband publicly? Are you asking for help? Have you talked about sex with, with people in your community group? Are you talking about parenting? Uh, you know, the, Kristen was she met with small group girls on Monday morning, came home, and I said, "What'd you talk about?" She says, "Sex, marriage, parenting, finances—all in like an hour and a half." And so I, I love that my wife has some women in her life that are engaging her on those conversations, and she's doing that with them. So community is so key uh, just in helping us to, to make our marriages a priority. Next is sex and physical intimacy, and how on earth do you cover all this in a couple minutes? And so a couple really quick thoughts. Uh, sex is from God, Genesis 1 and 2. Sex is a gift from God for married couples, Genesis 1 and 2. It's an opportunity to glorify God. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10.31, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. And so when we have sex, it brings God glory. Uh, And so so this is a gift from God for us, for married couples. Expectations are so big in this area. Uh, No doubt, right? Frequency. Maybe I think Woody Allen tells a joke that um, he sits down. There's a uh, therapist that sits down with a couple. And he says to the guy, how often do you have sex? And he says, oh, we, have set, we never have it. It feels like it's forever between one time and another. Rah, rah, rah. And the therapist says, well, how many times a week do you have sex? He says, two or three times a week. And then he turns to the wife and he says, well, how often do you have sex? We have sex all the time. We just like, it feels like it's constantly we're having sex. Well, how many times a week are you having sex? Two or three times a week. And so even though it's the same number for each of them, it's just perceived in a totally different way. And this doesn't hold true for all married couples. There are... I think 20, 25% of married couples, women actually have a higher drive, lucky husbands. Um, and so there are some relationships where, where it's kind of flipped a little bit, and that's, that's very normal uh, to have opposite expectations on, on frequency. Uh, even one of our friends, we, um, we kind of again asked for some feedback, and one of them, the, the wife says, you know, the husband did the, the poke on the shoulder, and, and uh, she says, didn't we have sex like two nights ago? And uh, he says, no, that was about a week ago. And so it feels like it was two nights ago, and it was actually a week ago. It feels like a lifetime ago. We have different expectations on this, all right? And so communicating, becoming aware of expectations on frequency is so big. It's so important to have that conversation. Uh, It's a privilege and it's a responsibility to serve one another in this area. 1 Corinthians 7 talks about the wife's body is not her own, it is her husband's. And my body is not my own, it is my wife's. And so uh, there, there is, that's like the most often quoted passage, passage by husbands who aren't having sex enough, is that they kind of throw that at their wife and say, you don't have sex with me often enough. Uh, and meanwhile, he forgets the other, however many other verses in this book that talk about respecting your, your spouse and loving your spouse and serving your spouse, putting her needs before your own. And so guys will be quick to quote that one. But, but the reality is that it is true. And it is a privilege and a responsibility to be able to have, to be intimate with one another. Uh, guys, husbands, again, if they're listening, just showing grace, uh, giving patience, understanding. We don't understand what it's like to be, to be women. 
I, I don't understand what it's like to get to be totally sleep deprived and to be uh, to be nursing and to have you know all the hormones flowing through my, my body. I have no idea, and would be incorrect and foolish to even pretend I had a clue. And so, if your husband says, "I know what you're going through," he is he's an idiot. Two one four three six one two two seven five Scott Kadersha. Tell him to call me. All right. Uh, great quote. It says, I've spent all day with three young boys demanding my attention, pawing at me, hanging on me, drilling on me, and sucking on me. The last thing I want is my husband coming home, demanding my attention, pawing at me, hanging on me, drilling on me, and sucking on me. <laughs> Written by a loving mother of three. Uh, focus on the emotional. Focus on the spiritual. Focus on the relationship. Most of the time, the physical will follow. You know, husbands, are you serving around the house? Are you serving with the kids? Everything is connected. You cannot just have sex in the bedroom and ignore the rest of your life. And so keeping in contact with your wife throughout the day, texting, calling, emails, let her know you're thinking about her. And not just when you want to have sex, but on a constant, consistent basis. Uh, and, and again, for the guys, just uh, I don't think we know. When we look at porn or when we lust after other women, we don't know how much it destroys you and how much it hurts you. Uh, this is a really, really difficult world for women. Very challenging. Uh, again, I don't know. And you brought up the, the body image thing. You know, I, I, I kind of get it, but I have no clue what it's like for a woman. Uh, and so every time, and I, we tell this to pre-married guys and newly married guys all the time, uh, we have the ability as husbands to do something that nobody else in the world can do. I have the ability to lift up and to esteem my wife, to think rightly about her beauty, who she is in Christ, uh, her body. I can do that in a way that no other human being can. And every time I look at porn, uh, it just tears her apart. It tears her down. It tells her she is not good enough. She's not pretty enough. Her body's not good enough for me. And that's just a lie. And so I would say I cannot just speak to just the men. I know pornography is a big issue for women as well. And so if that's a struggle for you, uh, just think about what it does for your husband as well, or to lust after other guys. And maybe it's not just the, the physical lust, but the emotional lust for relationships and how much that can destroy uh, intimacy within marriage. All right. All right, so we've talked about how different we are um, and how for women it is all connected, and that's why I made sure that Scott appealed to the men that, you know, the, the emotional part, the spiritual part, all of that has got to happen before you know sex starts in the kitchen kind of thing it's got to happen long before they come tapping on your shoulder and hoping for a little action um, and another difference is just you know we can be in an argument and five minutes after things are kind of resolved it can be like hey you know let's are you ready can we have sex and I'm like really like <laughs> I'm still working through this thing here <laughs> yeah we had uh, we went on staff retreat last last week or two weeks ago all the watermark staff and this hilarious lady came in that I mean, it's a long story but she had this great quote she said wives and women need to be nurtured cared for loved uh, cherished you have to communicate just to all get their attention and to love on them whereas for guys she said we just need the woman to show up naked bring food and don't block the TV <laughs> not true but, but just the arousal and the it's so different from one another as men and women. Um, also, at the same time, you have to remember that you are your husband's legitimate outlet for sex and sexual satisfaction. So um, 
if we're not satisfying them and we aren't serving them, um, it's not right, but it just kind of leads them down that path of temptation to look elsewhere. Um, and so just kind of keep that in mind. And the, along with that is when you reject him um, repeatedly, that just crushes them. Um, you know, we just said this isn't all connected for them, but um, sex really does make a difference in how they view themselves and if they feel like they're being pursued and loved um, and, and just valued. So, you know, there are times, obviously, especially with new babies and stuff, where it just isn't going to happen. I, I need you to understand that. But if that's the case, then just initiate, hey, how about tomorrow night? And that way, in your mind, you can kind of build it up, take a shower, take a bath, whatever you need to do, and um, just be ready to be there fully for him. Um, and to that same end, just I know a lot of my friends and even myself a lot of times, I'll either put it on my calendar, just kind of put, I know somebody uses TS for think sex or BT for business time, just so that you kind of are remembering, hey, you know, am I, it's not necessarily our natural bend to be, that's not the first thing on my mind in the middle of the day, you know, I'm thinking about lunch for tomorrow and naps and all that kind of stuff. So um, put it on your schedule and if it works for you guys, schedule it, you know, Tuesday night. We don't have anything going on in the evening, so let's be in bed before 10 o'clock and, and that will be our time together. Um, also, just make sure as your kids get older and are mobile, um, make sure you lock the door, do something so that you don't um, kind of have the buzz kill of your five-year-old coming in to find you, hopefully under the covers, but um, yeah, you just don't want to have to explain any of that at that age. And We're wrestling. We're wrestling, yes. Mommy and Daddy are wrestling, Drew. Go back yeah. to your room. Yeah. <laughs> Never happened. No, it hasn't happened yeah. yet. But, um, and then finally, just pursue your husband in this area. Um, be creative. And, um, you know, this can look like candles in the bedroom when he comes home late one evening. It can be, um, uh, we've done, we have friends that have done board games, Twister, Strip Scrabble, and you know, pretty much anything you kind of use as, as a game can be turned into something a little more creative. Trying to figure out what to do. We haven't figured out the Wii yet. And then be spontaneous. So it's good to schedule. And it's sometimes good for the two of you to schedule. But also um, you can surprise them every once in a while. And just remember, it, you know, some, at some times in your life, this is sacrificial. It won't always be what you want to do. But because you love your spouse and um, want to esteem him, it's the best thing to do. Good. So practically, what's next? And we're going to fly through some of these yeah, if, if, you, if you hear some of these things, just don't beat yourself up. Don't walk out of here with a to-do list of 50 things I need to do to be a better wife or be a better husband. Uh, I'm, we're okay with conviction from the Holy Spirit. In fact, we're quite good with it. But it'd be easy to just walk away and feel guilty and overwhelmed and all the things you're not doing. And so we want to be really careful uh, with making sure that we communicate that to you, that this is not a to-do list of 100 things you need to do immediately. Maybe a couple of these uh, things we've said or things we will say will resonate with you specifically. And so I just would you know, tell you to pick one or two of them. Start with one or two of these things and say, this is the first thing I'm going to apply. Get some accountability. Tell some other women in your life that here's one specific area that I'm going to pursue my husband in a, in a unique way. All right? Uh, but please don't be overwhelmed. We're trying not to do that for you. All right. So one thing is just start with yourself. Um, you, you cannot force your husband to change. So if, if there are areas that you wish things were different, then look at yourself and figure out what you can do 
to um, kind of move things in the right direction. Um, make yourself attractive. Uh, take care of yourself. Get sleep, which that's kind of easier said than done for most of you at this stage. But, um, you know, nap when your kids nap if you can. Um, and then, you know, for us, for anybody, but just keeping in shape. And that doesn't mean I'm going to look the same way I did when we got married. But um, it's just keeping healthy. And, you know, for Scott, that's the best gift you gift he can give me is to be healthy and be taking care of himself. Um, what are you doing to nurture your marriage? We talked about communication, setting aside a time weekly to discuss schedules and, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, where are we? How do you feel? How am I feeling? What things can we um, change? Look back. So, you know, a couple times a year, look back and say, hey, this is where we're doing great. And this is where we kind of need to change something. Um, and then look ahead. So set some goals and um, pick some areas that Again, don't overwhelm yourselves and set crazy expectations, but um, you know, pick one area where you can grow. Um, love languages. So many of you may have heard five love languages. There's a reference in the resource list of the book. Um, but if you know your spouse's love language, be sure that you are um, using that kind of to your advantage. One of the things that, um, so Scott's is, one of his is words of affirmation. And I can't, I did not think of this. I found this in a magazine. But for Christmas, um, we did, I'll let him hold it, um, 365 reasons why we love Daddy or Scott, because um, there are some from me in there. So I did not do all 365 yet. We got to 75 before Christmas. But um, So every day he can pull one out of the jar, and it's just something that says, hey, you know, you can do one. No, I didn't do mine this morning. And so it says, um, that's right. You call to see if there's anything we need on your way home from, from Mommy, from Krista. Other things like um, you wrestle with us from the kids. Uh, you, show your, you show your boys, uh, not I'm wrestling with the kids, like real wrestling. Yeah. Not, <laughs> yeah. not, not. Although yeah. that might be one I will add. Yeah. Um, uh, you, you show your kids what it's like to have a, to have a good marriage. Um, you play the we with us. Um, you take us on trips to, to grandma's. I mean, really, really simple. Every day is a different one, but I mean, this is the best Christmas gift I have ever gotten in my entire life. This is better than ten thousand. Not that I got a ten thousand dollar gift, but we get you know a couple hundred dollars from from Kristen's parents every Christmas. Uh, we you know we get nice stuff or whatever. This is priceless to me. Words of affirmation. And so, why would I not want to serve my spouse and love her and take care of her? I make her the priority when she does stuff like this for me. So, um, huge, huge, huge. Do you have a question? Um, so that'd be a great Valentine's uh, yes. gift idea. Yes. Definitely would. Yeah. Um, so what else? One thing for, uh, for myself, especially after we had kids, is just letting some things go. So if you were a great housekeeper, a great cook, you know, kind of had all balls in the air and everything was perfect, um, just know that, you know, obviously... Have a conversation with your husband. What things can we let go? What things can, you know, maybe you cook five nights a week and he cooks two or brings home dinner two or whatever. But just be willing to let some things go so that you can make this the priority. Good. I'm going to just run through these last couple real quickly. Date nights. And so this is an obvious one. This is the first one everyone would say. Uh, I would read that article, reinvent your date night. And what that means is just doing something different. Kyle Thompson, uh, one of our elders, talks about how their date nights... Every week, he picks a different place that he brings Lucina to. It is, so 52 weeks of the year, they're going to 52 different restaurants. She has veto power, 
And so if they're driving over there and he says, we're going to go to Chewy's. Eh, not in the mood for Mexican tonight. Well, what else? What's a backup? And so just uh, being spontaneous, being original, being creative. Um, you don't have to spend a ton of money on dates. Coffee, date swaps with friends. We uh, with the McGee's this past week. We went out Monday night. They went out Tuesday night. Uh, we get over their house. Kristen got over their house at 7:15. Got home at our house at 11:30. That cost us nothing. Uh, they did the same thing for us on the night before. The kids are almost all in bed or they're ready for bed. It's a really easy thing to do. So put kids down and have a friend come over and watch them. Uh, don't go to the movies on a date night. Uh, I love going to movies, but you just can't talk when you go to the movies. And so find something where you can actually have a conversation. Uh, we don't get to talk with one another unless we're alone without kids. And so as much as I like movies, I want to I communicate and you know, have conversations with my wife. Uh, we've said it before, but talk about something other than kids at dinner. And so this is what we did on Monday night. We went out to dinner, and we talked about the, the two things we don't like to talk about are work and kids. We did talk about those on our date, but it was much more of like, here are, I'm incredibly insecure. I compare myself to my peers all the time. Uh, you've never seen me preach on a Sunday morning, and that makes me terribly insecure. You've never seen me do a lot of things around here. And so I consistently beat myself down. Uh, for that, and so I, I had a chance to con- just to talk about all that with Kristen, and so we talked about work. We talked about my schedule, uh, but it was more like this is how work is making me feel right now. This is what the Lord is teaching me through His Word about my job, and just how it's stupid. It's stupid for me to, to even compare myself to anyone else. Uh, you know, God has made me in a unique way, and this is all Kristen helping me come to this. Same with kids. We did not talk, you know, about discipline, about things we're doing wrong, but. Here's what the Lord is teaching me through being a mommy. Here are the struggles that, I, that we're talking through with, with, other, with other women in my life. Uh, that's Kristen talking, not me. And so just uh, you know, having real conversations, not just about kids. Home dates, uh, this is my number one favorite. And this is, wives, I'm going to appeal to you on this one instead of letting Kristen do it. If your husband likes college football, the greatest way, at least for me, the greatest date night we have is every Saturday night during college football season. And Kristen likes college football, so it's, uh, she enjoys it as well. It's not a huge sacrifice <laughs> yeah. for me. I do enjoy it. <laughs> but but we, get, we get takeout from Central Market typically. We don't have to spend a lot. We put the kids down early, and we sit down in front of the TV and watch college football. It is joyous. It makes me want to love my wife uh, in, in totally different ways because, because she just kind of does, does the thing that I really want to do. Uh, and watch college football. And we can communicate when we watch, uh, but sometimes it's just good to veg and to not even communicate with one another, just to enjoy good food and good football. Yeah. Baseball starts soon. I hate baseball. It's depressing. <laughs> All right, uh, nights away, Priceline a hotel. You can get a great hotel for 30 or 40 bucks in the city. This will not happen spur of the moment with kids. So tell your husbands, 214-361-2275, Tell your husbands to initiate, to plan, to get a babysitter. If you've got folks in town, you are blessed and you are lucky. You've got to deal with stuff that we don't have to do with parents. But, but if you have family in town, take advantage of that. Appeal to them that you are loving your, their grandchildren well if you get a night away with each other. Uh, some of you need to be challenged to, to leave your kids with someone. Uh, you think you're the only one that can raise them. You know best, and you do. 
Uh, but there are times you are going to be a much better wife and mommy if you can separate for a few hours, all right, or for a night. Uh, that doesn't mean my, my, I would love to just leave the kids at home with a six-pack of water and some Cheerios and think that they're going to be okay overnight. And so that obviously is an extreme. Uh, but, and a cell phone, right? Yeah, and a cell phone, obviously. They know how to dial our number now, so they'll be fine. Um, but, but that would just be irresponsible. But we do need to take the effort and make it a priority to get away uh, and have some time where you just focus on one another. Um, be relational. Do the things the other likes to do. Uh, Philippians 2, one of, one of our friends that we're in community with said, I go fishing with my husband because he loves it. And so it's just a way to serve him. He goes shopping with her because she loves it. He cooks with her because she loves that time together. Uh, just thinking of new things, thinking of things that are different, reinventing day night. Uh, next is just resources. We've got a bunch of books on the resource list. There are sermons on there. Uh, a bunch of resources that you can work through together as husband and wife or as community group. Uh, go to a conference together, the Family Life Weekend to Remember comes through here once or twice a year. You know, put a couple hundred dollars in your budget, plan on getting a sitter, and go to that conference. I, I don't know when the marriage team is going to put on a, another marriage conference, but planning ahead for that, getting a sitter, going to the marriage conference. Uh, re-engage might be the best thing for your marriage. Re-engage is for couples that are in crisis. But re-engage would be appropriate for anyone to go through. And so we say if you're a one out of ten and you want to become a two, if you're just trying to cling to life in your marriage, then re-engage is great for you. If you're a seven and you just want to bump up your game a little bit, communicate better, go to re-engage either by yourself or with your spouse or with a community group. Uh, the core classes around here, there are classes on training day, on communication and conflict, sexual intimacy, money-wise. Read a book together as a community group. Just tons of different options on how to keep your marriage a priority during this really, really tough season of life. All right. Last is that we gave you some homework. Uh, we put, I think, eight or nine questions on there, things to do. Uh, just, we, we did not want this just to be an academic exercise. And so, again, we're just trying to think. We are very practical people, and so we try to be practical. And so there's some homework just to help you think through what we just taught uh, what did you learn? What are some specific things you can do coming from this? And so do some homework and answer those questions. And I just want to challenge you, you know, challenge you specifically to get the priority right. God first, marriage second, kids third. Doesn't mean you neglect your kids. Doesn't mean you neglect your spouse. But get your priorities right with Jesus first, spouse second, kids third. All right. Uh, this is a big deal. A very big deal. Our marriages are a picture of Christ. Our marriages are an outreach to the world of, of who God is, what it's like to be forgiven, and how important God is in our lives. And so the, the stakes are really high. Uh, you know, the 50% divorce rate. Now, that's not just outside the church. That's within the church as well. And so we are not immune to these issues and to these challenges. So make your marriage a priority. Make your relationship with Christ a priority. You know, don't neglect your kids. Keep coming to building blocks. Keep learning how to be a great mommy or daddy. Uh, but keep God first and, and make sure you prioritize your, your relationship.